want to share a message before we have nachos called the God of all comfort, the God of all comfort. Our text will be 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the first seven verses. Before I open the word, let me share something humorous. Heard about this couple that were both celebrating their 60th birthdays, a husband and wife. And while they were just enjoying the day, suddenly an angel appeared and said, Your lives have pleased God, and God's granted you each one special request. The woman was so happy, she says, well, my request is I've always wanted to travel the world. Poof, cloud of smoke. When it finally cleared out, her hand was filled with tickets to travel the whole world. The man kind of sheepishly and bowed his head. He said, well, my request is I always wanted a wife that was 30 years younger than me. <laughs> and poof, the smoke cleared and he was 90 years old. It's in the book of Revelation somewhere. <laughs> Let's read the first few verses of this amazing epistle. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in all of Acadia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. With the same comfort we received and are comforted from God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we're afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we're comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so shall you be of the consolation. Father, I thank you for your word that was written 2,000 years ago, but it's alive today. It is filled with your life and your power, your nature, and your presence. Anoint your word as we open it. Anoint your servant as I share it. Anoint your people as they hear it. Change us and show the devil who's boss. In Jesus' name, amen. I love this because it introduces us to another important attribute of God, a self-defining attribute revealed in the Scripture. Paul said he's the God of all comfort. That's who he is. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. So what does that mean? That means that God is so filled with comfort that comfort originates from him. The idea, the concept of the healing grace of a mighty God comes from his very nature. He doesn't have to reach in the shelf and grab some. It flows from the abundant uh, function, the abundant overflow of his heart toward us. That's who God is. And the word comfort here is per periclesis. And periclesis means these things. To come alongside, para, alongside, to give encouragement, consolation, strength, and exhortation to help someone. And so it is a derivative of the word paraclete which is the word Christ defined as the title of the Holy Spirit. First point, the God of all comfort. 
The name of the Holy Spirit Jesus gave us literally means the comforter. In chapters 14 through 16 of the book of John, Jesus is on his way to leave the earth. But as he leaves, he's excited to introduce us to who's coming next, the comforter. And Jesus said, I'm sending another paraclete. And the paraclete was a defense attorney when it come alongside you. If you've ever been in legal situations, and our, our, legal, our legal world is written in a different language. And you need someone that understands it. Someone that can guide you and ethically counsel you about what to do legally. And the Holy Spirit is that. But these are all synonyms for that word that are acceptable by translators. He's our helper. He comes alongside to help us. He's our comforter, the King James says. The comforter. He's our counselor. He's our encourager. He's our strengthener. He's our teacher. He's our intercessor. He's our guide. He's our advocate. All nine of those words, those synonyms are acceptable because they, they, to the language that's written, but also to the definition of the very person, the Holy Spirit. That's who God is. God's your helper. He cares about you. He loves you. God's your strengthener. God's your comforter. God's your counselor. He intercedes for you. He's your teacher, your strengthener, your encourager, your guide. He is all of those things. That's what God has given us in his very nature. The nature of God. I love to tell people how good God is. And just remind them how good he is. He is the, God, the father of mercies. That out of his very nature, the controlling aspect of First John chapter 4 says, God is love. That mercy and love are the core powerful virtues, the, the very core of God's being. And all the expressions of his nature flow from these controlling aspects of who God is. The father of mercies, the God of all comfort. That's who he is. And so Paul's, the Holy Spirit using Paul says, I want you to get to know him. Now he uses the word comfort in this passage 10 times, the word comfort in a derivative. It, 10 times in a few verses, the word is repeated. Consolation, comfort, over and over and over again. Because he's trying to make sure we get it. That's who God is. When he shows up, he's a comforter. When we walk with him, he's a comforter. That's a part of the nature of God, and it, it is expressed in his continual faithful behavior toward us. God's a God of comfort. Number two, Paul said this, because that's who God is, his nature then controls his behavior, who comforts us in all of our tribulation. Everybody say all. all. So Paul said, you'll never get in a mess where there's not a miracle waiting for you at the end of it. You'll never have a heartache that God says, oh, I can't help that. That's too hard for me. Or you're disqualified by how your heart was broken. The Bible says all tribulation. He heals us. He comforts us in all of our tribulation. The Greek word for tribulation is thipolis. It means pressure. Anxiety, stress. It means to put pressure on something until it manifests its nature or changes its form. It's used to squeeze olives to, to make olive oil. squeeze grapes. To make wine. So when life squeezes you and pressure comes and trouble and trials come, God says, I have a comfort for you. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 4, blessed are they that mourn, they shall 
being comforted. End of sentence. Now, one thing that's important because I've heard that verse preached in Matthew, and even this verse preached, it said, well, God can only comfort you if your suffering is righteous. If that's true, that means about 90% of our suffering will be unhealed. Because it all, all our suffering is not always borne by persecution for doing righteous things. It's just a part of the human element, the human experience. There's suffering in this world. Of all the people that came to Christ, the Gospels give us so many beautiful personal encounters. Not one time did Jesus send them away because he didn't like how they got sick. He didn't care what made him sick. He didn't care what they did or what was done to him. He didn't interview them to determine if they were worthy to be healed. He just healed them. And the Bible says, I don't care if you created a mess. I don't care if it's caused all kinds of consequence. You are not greater than God, and you don't have permission to hold shame or hold guilt. If God's forgiven you, and if you've repented of your sin, that God wants to comfort your heart so that you don't feel the weight of that guilt and shame anymore. The devil's a liar. He's a liar. And so we want to know God has comfort for all of our stories, all of our lives, all of our expression, all of our experience. All of our journey, no matter how it happened, God never withholds his comfort from our pain. It is a lie from the devil that you will never laugh or sing or dream again. God's word heals us every time we read it. It comforts us. Romans 15 says the comfort of scripture. God's presence heals us. Anointed prophetic word heals us. In fact, 1 Corinthians 14 says that he that prophesies speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. There's that word. Prophecy that's anointed from God will heal you, not hurt you. If someone's giving you a hurtful word, put it in the garbage. Because true prophecy heals. Thank you for six amens. I, so I, I, I've done a few of those thousands of times, and so I know the healing property of, prophe of prophecy, sell it overseas this week, okay? Amazing things. So God heals us through his intervention into our lives and story. And so it's, I think it's just important because it makes you unafraid of life if you know no matter what happens, God is a healing. Now we shouldn't intentionally do things that are damaging and hurtful. We shouldn't do that intentionally. A person that does that is not in their right mind. They're not driven by right instincts. They need to get healthy and get the mind of Christ. But no matter how you got to your place of pain, there's healing for you. Well, Pastor, I was, a, I was an alcoholic for 35 years. I know, now you're free, and, and God's going to comfort you. So, so you don't keep living the rest of your life in the shame of those years of your life. Well, I was a drug addict. I broke the law. I was in prison. I had a divorce. I had an affair. I had an abortion. I had this or that. We all have a story. And, and if you're not careful, you'll be on the devil's side of your story. And instead of receiving God's no condemnation, supernatural righteousness, you'll be guilt-shaming yourself and say, I'm not worthy. My, 
you'll be feeling like you deserve to be unhappy because of your behavior. But that's a lie from the devil. God loves you. He's for you. He's with you. And there is comfort who comforts us in all of our trouble, all of our pain, all of our pressure, all of our stress, all of our family issues, all of our personal issues, all of our past issues. There's nothing in life that will throw at you that God can't comfort you out of the pain of. So never let the devil tell you. I became clinically, manically, and suicidally depressed in 1995 because of things that happened in our story. And I thought that, that our story was so intense, I thought I, I'll never get better because of what happened. But Jesus Christ healed Michael Maiden from a, a life-threatening depression. He healed me. And I have faith he can heal anybody. Now, I had, I had to cooperate with God. You with me? I had to forgive myself. I had to forgive people. It was easier to forgive them than me. It was interesting. So, God comforts us in all of our pain. And so, we want to be people that never hold back from God what he's ready to heal. I want CFTN. CFTN already is a radically transparent place. Because the church, the, 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 the community of believers that make up the church is often tempted to be a place where we all pretend like we're better than we are. You're all fine people. How you doing? Fine. Get in the parking lot. <laughs> Jesus, why won't you help me? Because you're a liar. You ain't fine. She ain't fine. They ain't fine. Nothing fine. You with me? We, we, we're so afraid of what people think. Who gives a hootie duty what people think? Come on. I almost cussed, but Sister Ruth is here. No cussing in front of her. We want to be, Jesus came to the temple and there was a guy with a withered hand. And how they compensated for how religion got around regulation was in Mosaic law, you couldn't come to the temple with, with any kind of deformity. This guy had a withered hand and non-functioning hand that was atrophied, and so he hid it in his garment. Now, everybody knew in that whole temple, everybody knew it was the guy with the withered hand. But at church, he was okay. How you doing? Good, man. High five. Just one hand. High five. And Jesus came to the temple, and they all stared at him, seeing if he would pray for that guy. Because the only way to heal him was to reveal and Jesus said, sir, stretch out your hand. Show everybody your mess. Because if you reveal it, Jesus will heal it. And as soon as he stretched out his hand, it was made perfect. Our story then must be 
for God's comfort to come. There has to be honesty or transparency and fearlessness about that. Who cares what people, if you can get better, who cares what they think in the meantime? Get there. There are all kinds of people that sought Christ. I love the ones that were criticized. The blind Bartimaeus, he screams out, Jesus said, the son of David, have mercy upon me. And they tell, the disciples said, shut up. We're on our way to an important meeting. And the Bible says, he shouted louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. And Jesus stood still. And he sent for him. And laid aside his beggar garment. He knew he would never need it again. He walked to Jesus, was led to Jesus, and Jesus said, what you need? I want to see. What do you want me to do for you? I want to see. And immediately his eyes were opened. Jesus opened his eyes. You have to be able to endure criticism on your way to your miracle. Because some people will complain and moan and other words I can't say because Ruth's here about your situation. Well, why don't you just be quiet, you know. No, no. I'm going to get better. I'm going to get better. And the only way I can get comforted is to be honest. We're only as healthy as we are honest. The healthier we become is because the honest part. When we're healthy, we initiate this response from God. So God wants us to be transparent, especially to him. God already knows you have it. Isaiah 40. The book of Isaiah has kind of two sections, um, main sections. The first 39 chapters where there's specific things said. God is kind of setting the record right. God is kind of righting wrongs and all kinds of things happen. Lots of judgmental words against people or nations that have hurt Israel. Chapter 40. Here's what the future looks like. So the people that had been in generational slavery, affliction, bondage, and pain, God says his first words in chapter 40, beginning the new season, comfort my people. Comfort them. Speak words of comfort over them. You don't want to be the person, if you're prophetic, don't be pathetic. You don't want to walk up to the wounded person and say, um, the Lord showed me uh, why you got in this mess. Really? I can hardly wait to hear. <laughs> yeah, you, you, made that, you made three mistakes. Thank you. Now get the age out of my life. If there's not a healing goal, don't kick them when they're down. If you can't help them, then don't hurt them. And it's important because we're tempted to be experts on other people's failures. We're tempted to be that way. We don't want to be that way. Amen. We don't want to, yeah, God will show you things, turn into prayer, and ask, ask for a redemptive remedy. Point number three. Let me finish this message. In point number three, Paul said this, the God of all comfort will comfort you in all of your trouble so that 
you can comfort people in any trouble. God said, that thing that looks really bad, I'm going to make it good. That thing the devil thought he, he, he thought would take you out, I'm going to turn it into a, a, a miracle ministry. I posted a couple things in kind of preparation for this. Let me say this. The devil gleefully screams, you'll never be the same because of the pain I've caused you. God laughs at him and declares to you, I am working all things together for your good. I'm turning your pain into power. Trust me as I work. Rest in me. The devil can't win. Every time he sends a storm, struggle, or a setback into our lives, our God intervenes to help, heal, and strengthen us. We emerge from these storms with more of God's blessing and anointing than we had before they came. That's the truth. We're able to comfort others. The ultimate victory is when God turns defeats into victories. When God takes what the devil meant for evil and makes it become good. The ultimate victory is when you have a ministry that flows out of the, the, the misery of the, hurt, the most hurtful moment of your life. I, you know, my life scripture is Romans 8.28. We know all things work together for the good of those that love God, called according to his purpose. God makes bad things work for you. When you're in his purpose, of course, the verses before this talking about intercession or prayer. Prayer puts God into your world. Give it to God and watch him work. But here's the outcome. If it ain't good yet, it only means God's not done yet. He's working. He's working. Let him work. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand. Don't misinterpret something because you picked up the book and you've read in the middle of it instead of the end. Don't, don't, don't misinterpret the chapter because you're, you haven't read to its ending yet. God's working in your story. Elbow someone and say, don't give up. There is no human heartache, pain, or trauma beyond the healing reach of our loving God's comfort. When God heals us, his healing comfort never leaves us. But it becomes a glorious gift we pour out to others when they're hurting like we were. Genesis 50 Joseph, the great patriarch, gives a summation of his life. He says, but you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. As it is this thing of salvation to many people. He said this, you designed a plot. The word meant, great Hebrew word, it means to weave on a weaver's beam. The, 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 the threads joining together. You, you created a thread of evil. But God put his hand on the weaver's beam and created a different pattern. And the end garment was beautiful. He said, you meant evil, God made it good. If it's not good yet, he's still weaving it. it. The word means to purpose, to imagine, to plan. God's purposed good. And no matter how bad it looks, I became clinically depressed because I couldn't imagine how God could take what I was going through and make it good. But that's just because I'm stupid. 
God very smart. We call in theology, he's omniscient. He knows everything. I know some things. And my small perspective often gives me wrong interpretations of life. So I have to trust his perspective when he says, I want to make it good. And I, so my mind says, how would that ever happen? My mind, how can that happen, Michael Maiden? I don't see a way out of this. God says, please, just trust me. I have a big brain, God says. I can work it out. I, I'm working in it. We don't want to give up while he's working. We don't want to disagree with what he's doing. We don't want to withhold trust because we don't, we can't imagine, well, how can God make my divorce or the death of a loved one or this bankruptcy or this moral failure or this heartache or this false accusation? How could God ever make it good? I don't know how. He's Jehovah sneaky. He always does it a way different than I thought. But if you just give him time, he'll do it. Come on. I travel the world this week. I'll be in Las Vegas preaching to pastors and, and um, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I travel the world and I tell my story how God took the worst thing that happened to me and, be, and made it become the best thing he does through me. That God can heal anyone from depression, discouragement, anxiety, any mental disorder. I have faith to that because I have that. Now here's the secret. When God does something for you, don't keep it a secret. Somebody here in this room needs the thing God gave you when he gave you a healing, when he comforted you, when he helped you, when he strengthened you, when he healed you, when he turned your world around. When you share it, see, people think, well, oh, we, we want miracles for the whole room. How God gives a whole room a miracle is by giving one person a miracle. And when they share it, it spreads. You with me? Oh, and the flight person, a couple of rows behind me, started coughing. I'm like, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. No weapon horn against me. I'm the head, not the tail. You know, because the germs can spread. Well, God says, don't hide the testimony of your life. I used to think years ago, I'll never tell a soul what happened to me. And now I tell every soul what happened to me. God's made it good. He healed me and then said, go heal, go share it. Go share it. Share it with others. So that's how God makes it good. A full circle. The devil should have never messed with you. He should have never come against your family. He should have never sent that storm and created that, created that crisis and unleashed that unfair Unjust, he should have never done that because all he did was give God something to work with in your story. And God's still working. Listen, God's going to take you out of the place of regret and put you into the place of revelation and put you then into the place of a fulfilled testimony. Look what the Lord has done. It's marvelous in our eyes. He took the evil thing and made it become the good thing. The God of all comfort. This is what he, Paul said. Paul said, I go through all kinds of messes. But while I'm going through them, Paul says, I know this is going to end up with another anointing. And I'm going to pour that grace on the church. And Paul said, live like that. It makes you unafraid of life. 
Now, I don't, any rational person doesn't want things to go wrong. You with me? I'm not like, oh, great, another storm, woo. No, but we have to know that all things, including that bad storm, will work together for the good of them that love God. That's what God could do. Hey, thank you for listening to me today. Would you please stand your feet? My prayer is, prayer team, if you'd join me, please, down front. My prayer this morning for you is this. I don't know what your trouble or trial or storm, your setback, your trauma, your pain, your tribulation is. I just know who has the answer. Who has the answer? Who has the answer? And, and we would, I would never belittle your suffering and say, oh, just get over it. People can't get over it. They need God to heal them over it. Time doesn't heal all wounds. Jesus does. But this morning, before we leave and before we have nachos, I pray, my prayer for you is, may the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, comfort you in every trouble, every heartache, every trial, every trauma, every negative memory, and every demonic accusation. May he comfort you so powerfully. You're free from the control of that event. My mind remembers my story. My heart has forgotten it, the pain. Only Jesus can do that. He comforts us in all of our troubles. Thank you, God, for your love. How we worship you just for a moment. Holy Spirit, comfort us. Comfort or come. Do miracles. I break the grip of mental illness off of your soul. I break the grip of unceasing sorrow. I break the grip of a self-destructive self-image. And I declare comfort is here for you. 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 In Jesus' name. Thank you, God, for your kindness, your love, and your faithfulness. As we close the service today, I want to invite those who need prayer. First of all, every service we will ever have, we will give people an invitation to know Jesus. Because there's no greater event that will happen this morning than that. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you don't know what that means, if you don't know if you're saved, if you don't know if your sins are forgiven, man, we're so honored and excited to pray for you. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 6, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Sin has sentenced us to eternal separation from God. But Jesus came to rescue and redeem us. And salvation is a gift he gives. You don't have to earn it. You'll never deserve it. And you can't achieve it. You just receive it. If you've never known Christ, please let us pray for you today. Stand with you and confess him as Lord and Savior. 
If you've been away from God, man, let's give the devil some black eyes today and come back home today. If you, as a believer, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the scriptural evidence of a heavenly prayer language. If you don't have that yet, we'd love to pray for you. It's another gift. If you say, Pastor, I need a healing in my mind or my body, we believe that by his stripes you're healed and that the prayer of faith will heal the sick. As scriptures say, maybe you're just going through one of the toughest seasons of your life. Let someone pray and prophesy to you today at this altar before you go home. Anyone needing prayer, if you join us just for 60 seconds longer, church, would you worship God with me while those seeking prayer come forward? fellowship time together. Mary and I are honored and humbled to serve here. Have a wonderful day, wonderful week. Pray for the Diamondbacks that made the playoffs last night. Tell someone Jesus loves you like crazy. God bless you, church.